0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Sober Grind Podcast. My name is Austin, and I am joined by my ever-so-amazing co-host, Pej. Pej, how are you? How was your Christmas? I'm good. Christmas was good. Good to be here, Austin. Good to be here. So today's topic is really close to home for me. As a brother of an addict and the son of a mother who often does enable, uh, this really hits home, and I'm very excited to learn about this topic And for the audience, if you could not tell, this episode is all about how parents enable and really what they can do to stop enabling. Before we jump into this topic, we are going to jump into our segment of Recovery Story of the Week. We are joined by the amazing McKenna, who's going to tell us a little bit about her story. Welcome, McKenna.
1: Hi, my name is McKenna. Um, My sobriety date is March 7th of 2014. I am a recovering alcoholic and addict.
0: Tell us a little bit about your journey and where you were, what prompted you to want to get sober, and where you're at today.
1: So, well, a little bit about how I got started um, in my addiction and alcoholism. I, I first took my first drink at 12 years old. And um, to make a long story short, I <laughs> was trying to sneak beer down in the basement of a an adult party that was my dad's neighbor's house um, for New Year's, and I didn't, like, I was trying to <laughs> swallow the beer, but I would spit some out because it tasted gross, but I knew that I would feel different because I saw all the adults upstairs, and they were rosy-cheeked and laughing, and um, so I continued to try and get some down. and. And then I, it all of a sudden came to me that I might get caught down there, so I stopped myself. And I have no idea where I got like the next idea, but at 12 years old, but I ended up going through their medicine cabinet and reading all the different bottles and found ibuprofen, and it said do not consume more than two within six to eight hours or something like that, and I took 16 thinking that it would be fun. I don't know where I got the idea, but um, I was I was already like, I took a couple sips of beer and was already like trying to get more, um, more of the effect. And like I wasn't comfortable in my own skin, even at a young age. Um, from then on, I was like, I just, you know, opened that door and um, continued to always try to find alcohol and drugs. And um, by 14 years old, I was a full-blown meth addict. And both my parents are, um, are in recovery. They both sobered up before I was born. So I kind of knew where to go once I realized that I had a problem with meth at 14. Um, but I wasn't quite ready to be done. So, I continued to be in and out of 12 step programs and treatment centers uh, throughout my teenage years. And my bottom that, you know, finally gave me the brokenness and the willingness to get sober for real this time was um, losing custody of my son. Um, I, you know, I always wanted to be a mom, and um, when I ended up getting pregnant with my son. I was able to not drink or use during my pregnancy, thank God. But as soon as he was born, um, I was like, give me the alcohol and whatever. I tried not to do drugs, but I still couldn't stop myself if it was around, um, even though I was breastfeeding. And I didn't want to put my son's life in, or health in danger, but my alcoholism and my drug addiction didn't care. And I um, <clears throat> And so fast forward, um, I had my son, I had custody of him for the first three years and I wanted him to be in his dad's life as much as possible um, because I knew how important that was for me as a kid. So I moved closer to his dad in Arizona, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't changing anything. I wasn't drinking or using, but I was just not, you know, changing spiritually or mentally and I wasn't growing. So I ended up relapsing and continued to be in and out of 12 step programs, um, until I lost custody of my son. And that gave me, you know, the desperation and the pain, like made me so willing to do whatever it took this time. And so now I'm coming up on four years, um, one thing that I love to share is that when I lost custody of my son, he called me a monster. And then um the week of my 1 year sober, he he said, "Mommy, you're not a monster anymore and I love you." And that's when I knew that I finally was getting it, you know, and my life has continued to grow and be like become more more amazing. Um I've walked through struggles in sobriety but never thought about drinking or using. So I'm really grateful today for my life and, um, and for the 12step programs that I belong to. So <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. Congratulations on your sobriety. <laughs> Thank you So Pesh, what are some of the typical ways that parents can enable their children and their children's addictions?
2: Well, there's a lot of different ways. I mean, obviously, addiction can start at a very young age um, for adolescents, for example, that are living in their parents' homes. And the parents may start to find certain things like paraphernalia, tinfoil, pipes, things like that. Um, And they will – obviously, it becomes a concern and they they will – Um, confront the child or they will ask the child questions and what is this where did you get it from how long have you been doing this and you know most addicts and alcoholics are either going to lie and minimize or say that it doesn't belong to them or whatnot Mm. Um, but then uh, you know through um, other ways that you'll start a lot of parents will see that their kids are behaving their attitudes are a certain way they are um, acting a certain way they're getting angry easy, they're failing their classes in school, things like that, then that becomes a concern. So the parent, again, um, tries to identify the problem, sees how they can go about um, uh, solving the problem, however that mm-hmm. may be, but they don't usually know how. And yeah. and one thing that a parent's biggest fear is is they they enable when they allow the child to continue uh, being in their addiction and their mm-hmm. housing them and harboring them and keeping them in their houses or or even um, you know obviously you can't kick out a teenager when they're yeah. when they're um, so using hard. and drinking it's really hard it's actually you're not allowed to you, yeah you, you basically so I mean they might refer them put put them in a treatment center for adolescents or mm-hmm. or something along those lines but also um, you know limitations have to be set. You know, you have to uh, – this is just what I believe and what I've seen works and what I've seen doesn't work is is a, a parent that has a teenager that um, that wants to continue using in their house. For one, they can't make it okay. Mm-hmm. For two, they have to let them know that as long as you're living in, under this roof up until the time that you're 18 years old, um, drugs and alcohol will not be used in or out of this house. And um, for three, you know, they, they – if they – want to actually test their kids via, via urinalysis or breathalyzer or hair follicles, then that's good. Then they're secure and they know that their kid's staying sober. But, but truly, there's something psychological going on with the kid that they, I mean, for a lot of kids, it's just a phase. So a lot of kids are just going to experiment and they, they see their friends doing it at school and, and they're just wondering what it's like to be high. But when you have a kid that's, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old that is um, doing heroin quite regularly, even just smoking it, if not shooting it, smoking it, there's nothing normal about that. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a problem. Clearly there's a problem. Mm -hmm. So a lot of parents are oblivious to there being a problem or or they also don't want to believe that this is happening to their child or that their child is actually an addict. They don't want to see the problem. They don't want to see it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So they certainly don't want to get the... The help for themselves that they need, which there are, it's a family disease when it comes to drug addiction. And somebody's a full blown addict or alcoholic. It is a family disease. It's not just um, the individual who's using. It's actually the parents and the family too. And there could be a number of things that's happening in in or around the home that the parent does not that they're oblivious to and not knowing why is their why are their kids or one of their kids or any of their kids using? You know. so, the experimental phase is one thing, but when the person is as evidently getting loaded and you continue to find certain things and you continue to let them live there with no conditions and no rules or regulations of what the, what the expectancy of the child in your house is, then um, you're enabling them. Mm. Basically, plain and simple, like you are harboring and housing a person and allowing them to be there in their addiction and you're not doing anything about it. Once again, if they're an adolescent, you need to seek the help that is out there in assisting to help adolescents through recovery. And there's plenty of adolescents that I've seen firsthand and worked with that have gotten solid recovery in the ages of 15, 16, 17, and are now sober in their mid-20s. And, you know, they're stand-up people in the sober community. When it comes to adults... Mm -hmm. um, A little bit different story. A little bit different story. I see a lot, a lot of people that their kids are over the age of 18. Mm. They're still living at their parents' house. They're actively using drugs and alcohol. The parents have uh, found the paraphernalia or the certain mm. particular things that, that are all the hints or the obvious clues that their kid is suffering from addiction or alcoholism, and they're still letting them live with them. Mm. And they keep wanting to yeah. rescue them. And they, they think that they're going to be able to help them or fix them or, uh, or, or get past this. They think it's not going to be... It's it's solvable, and and they think that they're the ones who are going to be able to solve it. So,
0: in your opinion, how do you think the enabling affects the psychology
2: and the personality and the habits of the child? Well, any addict who is in their addiction, if they can pull the wool over the enabler's eyes, meaning the parents or whoever is housing them, or or you know even like girlfriends or boyfriends that have uh, a loved one who is is actively using and they continue to. The psychology behind it, this person is basically thinking, well, you know, I'm getting away with murder continually. I'm able to still use here. All I have to do is tell these particular lies in this particular fashion. Mm, And and this person will be fooled every time. And I will always get my way. It sounds very familiar. Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) So from the, the parent's perspective, if they keep doing the same routine, they let the child know that they can keep relapsing, can keep using, can keep failing over and over again. When does the parent say enough is enough and how do they switch their mindset into uh, into that and and get into that mindset of that they're not abandoning their child? It's actually when the
2: parent can get to the point where they are able to put their foot down and and draw the line and solidify their word and make it be that way and make it so that there's no more room for this person to play games in their life that's when the when they actually open the door and the opportunity for their loved one to get the help that they need um let's say for example like right now there's a there's a guy i'm working with he's um he wanted me, he wanted to hire me to be his son's life coach Mm -hmm. and sober coach. And um, the problem is, is the son doesn't want to get sober. And sounds fun. And, 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 and the reason the son doesn't want to get sober is because he's been living at his dad's house and his dad time and time again has been allowing him to stay there. The kid's Mm -hmm. been to jail, the kid's been um, to treatment, the kid's been in and out of sober livings, he's been on the streets, but dad always lets him come back home. Nothing's so changing. Nothing's changing because not only does dad keep letting him come back home, Dad has had opened a bank account for him, which is a total enabling wow, maneuver. Yeah. And and for a while the kid was taking advantage of just taking money out sure. so that he could get his drugs or whatever. So dad closed that down and then said you come to me and I'll give you uh money in small increments, which is you know, it's it's Absurd within itself because still you're giving him the attic money, right? So the kid, uh, uh, now the dad's found different things inside the, his house that uh, the kid has got a copy machine and he's f- uh, forging checks and he's making wow, free, he's, really? making, he's making fake credit cards so that he could uh, somehow, he's going to people's mailboxes. He's, his dad has literally found the neighbor's, Um, checks that have come in their mail and seen like there's been white out and there's been ways where the kid is taking off the person's name off of their check like with a water print basically addicts are very creative right but but they're putting their own name on it so they can go and cash the check because dad now has limited him in his own money right Right, so but he's still housing him to allow him to do all these shenanigans out of his house So dad has found all of these things on him, right? And the kid kid will go and cash that check, get the money, and go buy heroin. Now, dad has found all these things, and still, when I tell dad, listen, before I start coaching your kid, I have to coach you, the very first thing that needs to to be done is you need to have that come-to-Jesus conversation with your son and tell him you're done, you got to go, you want help, you call Pej, but other than that... I'm going to be locking the, or changing the locks of the house, which is, you know, once the kid has no other place to come to, and and he's actually out on the streets and he has no way of supporting himself, then we can start progressing and moving forward. Dad calls me day before Christmas and says, um, I asked, have you changed the locks of the house? Yes, because I didn't I didn't hear from him for a couple of days. He says. Well, my wife and I were thinking that um, we're having a lot of people coming over for Christmas. It wouldn't be good if he if our son came home and there was a lot of drama going on. So we're thinking the day after Christmas is the day that we're going to change the locks.
0: They just keep prolonging. They it. keep
2: prolonging yeah. it. Like basically, the problem here isn't the kid the problem is the enabling father mm. in other words if the kid if the kid was to come home during the holidays the kid knows how to put on the perfect act and let the dad know i miss you these are the sure. holidays let's be festive thank you for letting me be here but the good thing that i can say about the guy, the, the dad is that all this new stuff that he's recently found and encountered, he put it all on top of his bed and put a note next to it saying, "This is what I found." So the dad is now getting to the point after mm-hmm. many, many years of of not being able to uh, to clip the end cord, for mm-hmm. better sake of words, um, he's now taking steps forward and and allowing this kid to get to hit bottom enough to the point where the kid's going to want to seek help. So. Um, so we're getting somewhere. So back to, you know, and I, I use that as an example to paint a picture to let it be known that this is what I see all the time. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many enabling parents out there that um, it, they, they come to me. They seek the help. I, I try to tell them everything that's good for them, but they, they just have the hardest time to to – Letting go and not enabling, and I always say this: like out of out of ten different families that I talk to a week, maybe one will take the direction that I give them, and if they listen, usually that one child is on their way on on a path to recovery. Other mm-hmm. than that, the other nine they will say, "I need your help. Thank you for your thanks for the information. Got to go," and they go back to enabling, and the kid never gets well. Next thing you know, they're overdosed in their house, their parents' mm-hmm. house, because their mom and dad just basically harbored this addict alcoholic. A
0: little too stubborn to make the change for themselves.
2: Very sad. Yeah, it sure is. Very sad.
0: I want to change pace here a little bit because uh, this this makes me think of uh, of a situation that was very common. So I grew up in a, a small town, New Jersey, but I'm sure this is uh, common throughout the country. Uh, a lot of parents knew that their kids were going to drink regardless of where they were so they would actually encourage the kids and us uh to drink in their own house Mm -hmm. and would sometimes even buy us alcohol what's your opinion about that behavior
2: (laughs) well that's it's funny because i've i've been through all that i've seen that i've seen it in my own home and i've seen it in other people's homes Mm. Uh, besides alcohol i've seen families where you know some of the parents will do drugs and they'll do yeah. drugs with their kids. Sure. So um, to each their own, I don't I don't think it's a good – for one, there's a reason that um, alcohol has an age limit as far as when it comes to purchasing it. So yeah. if there's if there's a reason for people not being able to buy it at a certain age, there's probably a reason for why they shouldn't be using it too. Mm-hmm. So if there's kids that are under the age of 21, let's say in California – who dad thinks that it's okay to spike his eggnog a little bit or, or to give him a little buzz, you know, I I don't condone it. I don't believe in it. I I know that a lot of parents do it and they think it's cute and they think it's funny. They think it's fun to watch their kid catch a buzz and act, you know, you know, fun, like having a good time and enjoying themselves. Um, But down the line, if suddenly it went from just spiking their drink a little or having letting them have a sip of your beer or a few sips or having a few beers with you, um, a lot of kids grow up to actually drink with their parents. Mm-hmm. Do they are they alcoholics? I don't know. Uh, that's that's for them to figure out. If they start having problems at work or they can't make it to work on time or they have problems within the house and 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 they're crashing cars and things like that, well, then perhaps they are alcoholics and perhaps it all was invoked and started from. Their childhood upbringing, where it was mm-hmm. okay within the house, now it can turn into other things too. It can turn into other addictions, just because dad said it was okay back then during the holidays to uh, have a little bit of eggnog that was spiked, or have a drink, or or maybe smoke a little bit of reefer with me. Um, down the line, if the kid like now has made it in his mind psychologically okay. Since dad does it, mm-hmm. I can do it all the time. Well, then that could expand and turn into other things. It can become other addictions. It can be full full blown alcoholism. It can be full blown addiction, d- depending. I'm not saying that that um, the parents are at fault for doing this. I just don't agree with it. Sure. I, I mean I just don't agree with it. I I, I grew up in Utah, and over mm-hmm. there, you know, you beer and things like that. It's it's you're not supposed to drink mm-hmm. at all, like mm-hmm. ever. So. I, I kind of looked up to that that family setting, but that's the reality of it is, is that a lot of parents, um, that's not going to happen in, in modern-day America. There's a lot of parents that, that they, they like drinking with their kids or having their kids you know, try a little bit of alcohol or drugs at times. I don't agree with it.
0: Gotcha. Thank you yeah. for that. So for any parents that are listening to this podcast right now, what are some actionable steps that you would recommend to help them quit enabling? Well, for one
2: and I'm just going to be totally open here, you know. Please be blunt. You know, I'm part of a 12-step community, and often we are told not to go on, on radio, film, and TV and talk about uh, the organization that we are part of because it's supposed to remain anonymous. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, with that said, like, for example, if I talk on Facebook, I don't go and say I'm part of that particular organization. I don't say, I'm sober 10 years and I'm part of this organization um a lot of people do that. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. However, I do let it be known that I am involved I have been a past addict alcoholic and I am involved in recovery and I'm in the recovery community. And I often say, if you know, if you're ever struggling, you can you can contact me and often parents will contact me or or struggling addicts, alcoholics will contact me via Facebook Messenger and say, What should I do? And often I, I refer them to well the the Ultimately, one of the best places for them to go for parents is to go to Al-Anon meetings, which is mm. it, it's it's a twelve-step community for um, people who have a qualifier who is a drug addict or alcoholic. There's Nar-Anon for for narcotics users. There's Al-Anon for alcoholic users. But there's they go to both. You know, um, definitely they I, I invite them to go there so that they can be around other parents that are. Uh, that have experienced or are currently experiencing the same types of problems that their kids that are using and drinking are experiencing so that they can be amongst a movement where the people there can help them, can give them ideas, can show them the do's and the don'ts and what's, what to do's and what not to do's. That's definitely one thing. A lot of a lot of parents um, will try to take their kid to a psychologist.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, this happened with me when I was a kid. And, yeah. And I'm not, you know, not knocking psychology, not not knocking psychologists. I think truly um, there's a lot of effective work that can come out of it, but it's not going to keep your kids sober, yeah. right? If your kid's drinking and using, they'll go sit in front of a psychologist and they'll they'll say, like, they haven't done it in a while. They'll lie, basically, you know. And the psychologist lets them know in advance, too. It, it, you know, if you're coming in here loaded, I can't help you, blah, blah, blah. Um, so another thing is, is, is if the parents are starting to – uh, see that it's becoming an, a problem and, and it's excessive and the kid is often looking a certain way acting a certain way, behaving a certain way their eyes are always bloodshot, they're always drinking this, that, and the other. They have to build limits. Mm-hmm. They gotta put their foot down. If they don't put their foot down, the kid will walk all over them. You know, and And parents become very codependent to their kids. They think that they can fix the problem. They can, to a certain extent, fix the problem from within the home. But when it comes to getting outside help for their kid, they they have to understand that you either need to seek a professional, be it a life coach, a sober coach, a sober companion, a recovery companion. You need to also, if it's become a major problem to to the point where your kid is definitely going to need some kind of treatment, detoxification, things like that, well then start looking at treatment centers. Call me. I'll help you. I'll help guide you in the right direction. Often, um, they need, they, if they start going to the 12-step meetings, they'll realize that, um, wow, like they, I'm hearing things that are totally relevant and totally happening in my home, and now they're learning what they can actually do in helping. These different things that they can do can start to help them uh, build boundaries, barriers, and limitations for their kid and not allow them to use, before whether they're adolescents or they're adults. If they're adults straight up, this is, this is just my opinion. Straight mm-hmm. up, if your kid's over 18 and he's using and drinking in your house and you're not okay with it because because it's becoming a problem and they're not going anywhere in life, you have every right to tell that kid, go out on your own. If you mm-hmm. want me in your life, this is what you need to do and you need to be completely sober. If you want to still talk to me, you want, you want me in your life, you have to quit using and drinking. Go and make a man or a woman out of yourself live a normal life and then we have a relationship other than that i can't help you i mean how are you going to be a parent to a kid that's a full-blown heroin addict or a methamphetamine user mm-hmm. or even a weed smoker i mm-hmm. mean if a kid is smoking weed all the time and they're they're lazy enough if they're in your house and they're not working and they're, they don't have a job to where they're building a future for themselves there's no future on the horizon you're basically just harboring a very lazy individual who's using you so that whatever money they get, they can smoke their weed, get their munchies, eat in your house, sit on your couch, and watch your TV or their TV in their room, and you completely know, completely freeloading. Freeloading. There's, there's, literally loading. Like they're loaded, <laughs> right? Like what? There's nothing good about that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much. Uh, that uh, is a great segue, and may have even answered my next question of what kind of resources are there for parents. Uh, You mentioned uh, Naranon and Al-Anon. Are there any other resources or are those the primary two that you would recommend for parents?
2: Those are the primaries. Um, There's also um, ACA, which is Adult Mm. Children of Alcoholics. You see, often um, addiction and alcoholism is genetic or can run in the family. Mm. So sometimes, you know, and I see this often. I have a lot of friends that are in recovery that are about my age. I'm 46. Mm -hmm. Now their kids their offspring are starting to experiment with drugs and alcohol and it's becoming Mm -hmm. a problem and they don't know what to do. So um, their fathers were alcoholics. This kid's father is an alcoholic in recovery. So there's ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics or Addicts. Those are also meetings that are readily available for People of various ages, some of them are adults and some of them are actually kids, teenagers, who -hmm. their parents were either either active alcoholic addicts or were once that way. And they too can go to those type of meetings and relate to their own peers and see other people that are in recovery, recovering from that, you know, from family members that – acted a certain way. They had rage. They were angry. They were alcoholics. They came into the house. They acted a certain way. And now now they they can get connected there. So there's Naranon for family members with qualifiers. There's Al-Anon. And then there's AC, ACA, um, Adult Children of Alcoholics and Al- Addicts. And then there's also support groups too. And, mm. and depending on where you live, if you live in a metropolitan uh, city, there's often support groups where um, you can find them. If you really look, I mean, Google is magical. Sure. <laughs> if you really look, you can find, or if you do have a psychologist or or somebody that you're a counselor that you're talking to, um, you, know, you can definitely reach out to them and they can put you in the right direction.
0: Great. Pej, thank you so much for this introduction. Thank you. Uh, is there any other things that you'd like to touch upon for parents... That are struggling with children that may be addicts.
2: Well, I do want to say that there is always light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. um, but you want to move actively and you want to be, you know, proactive in, in what you're doing uh, because you never know. You may get that call one day where your kid is straight up overdosed. I mean, it's happening so commonly these days that if there is a problem, even if it's a small problem, a small problem can become a big problem. You know, a little white lie that your kid you catch your kid in telling you could turn he can turn into a big fat liar, right? So the best yeah. thing to do, I think, is is to definitely um, um, nip it in the bud right away, but also make sure that it stays. you stay consistent in your stance, meaning that if you have put a limitation to how your kid can be in your house, if you want that kid to be sober, he must remain sober. And I think the best thing to do is to continually, as a parent, keep working on yourself and make sure that you identify the problems of why the kid in the first place was going in the direction of wanting to use and drink so much. Is there some kind of madness going on in the house? Is there something where the kid needs to escape by by losing themselves in drugs and alcohol? This is something definitely that parents want to look at. But, you know, if you do really, really uh, get it before it gets out of hand, uh, you may actually save your child's life as well as your own sanity. Thanks. That's great. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so
0: much again for tuning in to the Sober Grind podcast. I hope you learned something from this episode and it was helpful. The most helpful thing that you can do for us is to leave us a review on either iTunes or whatever podcast platform that you're listening to this on. You can also email us your thoughts at either austin or pej, P-E-J, at beginningstreatment.com. We would love to hear your feedback, what you like what you feel can be improved upon. If you'd like to be featured on our recovery story of the week, we would love to hear from you. This podcast is sponsored by Beginnings Treatment Centers, the best treatment center that I have ever seen. They are incredible. You can find out more information or contact addiction specialists directly at 800-387-6907 or finding more information online at beginningstreatment.com. We've also built an incredible support community on Facebook called Ask an Addiction Specialist where you can go in, it's an online forum, and directly get peer support and communicate with other addiction specialists just by asking a question. We do a lot of live streams where you can tune in and and ask them questions live. And you can find that community at facebook.com forward slash groups. Forward slash ask an addiction specialist. Pej, thank you again, my friend. Thank you. Sober Granadao. pleasure.